Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Can we give our worship team just a thank you this morning for, for worshiping with us? Um, and it's so, so awesome to see these, these young leaders uh, just leading us and appreciate you girls so much. Uh, welcome to City Hope. I'm glad you're here today. And uh, I hope that as you walked in, some of the signage maybe got your attention. I mean, if there's nothing else that you remember today, remember that you belong here. All right. And so as a matter of fact, would you just tell somebody next to you, you belong here. Just tell somebody. All right. Uh, now, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you're all about, you belong here. We're grateful that you're here with us today. And um, as Andrea said, my, my heart, our heart for, for City Hope Church is that um, you would experience Jesus. You would experience Jesus, the hope that he gives uh, uh, in a very, very special and real way. And, um, you know, if you want to get to know someone, if you want to know what people are all about, what do you got to do? You got to you got to spend time with them. You got to understand them. You got to figure out what they are. And so today, that's what I just want to do for a few minutes. I want to just dig into God's word and and see what he's all about, what he what he calls us to be all about. And so we're finishing up a series called Ghosted. Ghosted, and, and it's, a, it's a series that we've um, been going through for the last uh, four or five weeks about, you know, the church not ghosting the world. And, and let me give you just the, the real definition of ghosting, when, when, what I mean by that. It's kind of a new word, kind of a trendy thing that I guess some young kid thought of. But ghosting is the act or practice of abruptly cutting off all contact with someone, usually without explanation, no longer accepting or responding to phone calls, texts, DMs, or anything. So you're having this conversation, you're having a back and forth, and then all of a sudden, boom, no more conversation. The conversation ends. And that is really, uh, unfortunately, what many churches and many Christians have done to the world as about talking about Jesus. And so I want to jump into a really crazy, odd story today. So if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. If you don't have it, it will be on the screen. But I want you to follow along today. We're going to use several passages of Scripture. But this story has some very unlikely people doing something very, very unlikely. Um, And let me give you a little context as you're turning there. There was a city called Samaria. And this city was now surrounded by its enemy cities. And the, the, the enemy was there. It was attacking them. And inside the city, it had gotten really bad. Really, really bad. There was no food. There was a famine. As a matter of fact, it get kind of weird. The Bible says that there was no food. So the people started um, cannibalizing each other. It gets really, really odd. It's one of those stories you're like, what in the world is going on? And so this city um, obviously needs hope. It needs deliverance. It needs rescue. It needs a lot of help. And this is one of the most uh, uh, historical moments in the Old Testament. They um, were, were in this dire need and then they received deliverance. They received rescue from a very unlikely source. So let's stand to our feet and honor the reading of God's word together. And I want to jump through this story and, and, and stay here, stay tracking with me as we get through this story. Second Kings chapter seven, we'll begin reading in verse number three. Now, four men with a skin disease were at the entrance to the city gate. 
They said to each other, why just sit here until we die? If we say, let's go into the city, we will die because there's famine in the city. But if we just sit here, we will also die. So now come, let's surrender to the Armenians camp. If they let us live, we will live. If they kill us, we were die. They were in a desperate situation. They're sitting outside. There's these leprosy having men. They can't go into the city because there's no food. There's nothing for them there. So they're like, listen, this is our last effort. We're going to go to our enemies. We're going to say, hey, do with us what you want. If you want us to live, we're here. If not, they, they were surrounded. They felt desperate. Now, maybe right there today, maybe that's where you can relate to today's message. The reality of your life is you feel surrounded. You feel that the enemy is attacking, there's famine, there's nowhere to turn, and you feel surrounded on all sides. Maybe that's how you can relate today. Let's keep reading. So the diseased men, they got up at twilight to go to the Armenians camp, and then listen to what happens. When they came to the camp's edge, they discovered that no one was there. Verse six, for the Lord has caught, had caused the Armenian camp to hear the sound of chariots, horses, and a large army. The Armenians had said to each other, the king of Israel must have hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. So they got up and they fled at twilight, abandoning their tents, abandoning their horses and their donkeys. The camp was intact and they had fled for their lives. God did a miracle. The enemy that had been attacking them, the enemy that had been surrounding them. Now, the Bible says that the Lord made them feel like there was this huge army coming. So they fled. They got out of town. When you start reading stories like this, this Old Testament story, it makes you wonder, does God still do miracles like that today? Is God still in the miracle business? You know, like all these armies, these people are, are turning to cannibalism and, and it's just getting really weird. Does God still do these kind of miracles today? And I want to ask you this question today, and it, it, it's really kind of the basis of what we're going to talk about. Do you still believe that God has the miraculous power to rescue you from whoever or whatever has you feeling surrounded? Do you still believe that God has that power? Look at the rest of the story. When the diseased men came to the edge of camp, they went into a tent to eat and drink. They haven't had food in forever. They're, they're, they're on death's doorstep. Then they picked up the silver and the gold and the clothing. And look what they did. They went off and hid them. <laughs> they went off and hid them. They came back. They entered into another tent, packed, picked things up and hid them. But then something changes. Then they said to each other, we're not doing what is right. Today is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until morning light, our punishment will catch up with us. So let's go tell the king's household. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for, and just for these next few moments, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, use the example of these four um, diseased men. God, to just to give us a... Uh, a better understanding of the calling that you have for each one of us, those of us that, that call you followers of Christ, those of us that are on the team. Lord, you, Lord, you have a calling for us. And I pray that you would, uh, you would convict us, you would change us, you would challenge us today. It's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So here's these men. They walk into the enemy's camp. There's nothing there. All the enemy's gone. 
But they left all their tents. They left all their food. They left all their gold. They left all the blessings. And they're digging all this stuff in. And what was their first initial reaction we see? They're like, man, let's get all of this and let's go hide it so nobody else can have it. We're going to keep all of this to make sure that we have enough, right? And many of us can relate, right? Our first thought for most of us is me, right? Or my first thought is me. Your first thought is you. And so, so we kind of relate with the leopard. But then, but then something happens. Somebody steps up and the Bible says, then they said to each other, you know, this just, this just doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like the thing we should be doing. Today is a day of good news. Why should we keep this to ourselves? Our friends, our family member, everybody over in the city of Samaria, they need what we have. And if we're silent, then, then that's not right. And, and, and I want you to think about this. Many of you in here today, you've received blessings from God. You've received God's riches. And, and I'm not talking about with, with stuff, which maybe you have. Maybe you have stuff. But I mean, you've received things from God like his forgiveness, his acceptance. You've received the, the peace that passes all understanding. You've received joy in your life. But the question is, are we keeping that to ourselves or are we sharing that with the people around us? You see, these men, they said, this is, the, this is good news. We can't just hide this for ourselves. This is the greatest day ever. And for those of us that, that have experienced God's riches, are you keeping it to yourself? Are you, are you ghosting the rest of the world? Are you cutting off the conversation with the world? Because I've got the blessings and I've got the peace and I've got the joy and I've got, I've got God's forgiveness and I've got God's acceptance. So I don't, I don't really talk about it to anybody else. Do you have a, a, a burden to share those blessings with anybody else in your life? I think sadly, if we look at the state of the church today across America, across the world, that the reality is we've, we've ghosted. We've ghosted the gospel and telling people how powerful it is and how great God is, and we've, we've ghosted. And I love what these guys say. He says, we're not doing what is right. But today's a day of good news. This is wrong. This is good news. We, it just doesn't feel right for us to keep it all to ourselves. Now listen, if you're a follower of Christ, then the gospel of Jesus Christ is alive and at work around us. It should not make us ghosts to the world. But sadly, that's what Christianity has kind of turned into. We all kind of hang out over here and hope that some people come and join us. We should be, and the point of this, this entire series, the encouragement for you today as we end this series and you walk out of these doors here in just a few minutes, my encouragement would be that you leave here today and share your story. You share and, and, and increase people's curiosity for what you have. The people around you, the people that see your family, the way you live, the way you talk, increase the curiosity for gospel for people in your life. My encouragement to you today is bring people into your home. Sit around your dining room table with people who don't know Christ and believe that the power of the gospel is still there. When we read stories like these men who, who, who knew this was good news, who knew they had to get it out, who knew they, they, they couldn't keep it for themselves. 
the, the first thing that I thought of and the question that I'm challenged with in my life is, do I still believe in the power of the gospel? Do I really believe in it? Like, yeah, I got it. And some of you, man, you can remember that moment. You were, you were five, you were 12, maybe it was last year, and you received the, 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 the forgiveness and Jesus, man, and then the Holy Spirit just came upon you. But this is the question that we're confronted with. Do I still believe in that power? How do I know? How do I know the answer to that question? Because honestly, let, let's, let's all be real, okay? We're in church. And if I asked you that question, everybody's going to say yes, right? We're all going to say yes to that. Yeah, I believe it. But does your life show it? Does your life show that you believe in the power of the gospel? What do you see when you look at people who are far from God? The people in your life that you know they're far from God. What do you see? What comes into your heart? Do you see a, a spiritual catastrophe at the end of their life? Is that what you see? Do you believe, do you really believe that what you have, your relationship with Christ, has the power to change that family member that is long gone, right? That family member that wants nothing to do with God. Do you really believe that, that what you have has the power to change them? Or have you stopped believing in the power of the gospel? In my study, I ran across a, a, a book called Death to evangelism, death to evangelism. Tom Rainer is the author and Tom Rainer has this ministry where he, he does a lot of um, writing and, and, and helping churches and he goes into churches and, and does some surveying and, and talks to Christians and, and he tries to say, okay, here's the, here's the trends that we're seeing and here's some things. And he went in and, and, and the question was, how do I know if I'm not believing in the power of the gospel? How do I know if, you know, like I want to say yes to the answer, like that's my answer, but how do I really know that I'm not believing? Well, if you've said or thought any of these things, maybe it's time to see if that's your, your choices is not believing. Have you ever said, isn't sharing the gospel the pastor's job? Have you ever said or thought, man, sharing... Sharing the gospel just isn't my spiritual gift. It's not my gift. Have you ever said, why? I just got, I'm too busy. I don't have any time to share. I got so much stuff going on. I, I just really don't have time. Maybe you've said, well, what would I even say? What, what would I even say to someone? Maybe a way that you can realize, do I really believe in the power of the gospel? Have you ever said or thought, well, I don't have any non-Christian friends. I don't know anybody that doesn't know Christ. What if I tell people about Jesus, that Jesus is the only way and they get offended? What if, I, what if people get offended by me talking about Jesus? Today, if you've ever said or thought one of those, I pray that this is a, a warning light. This is a, a caution light to you in your life. Do I really believe in the power of the gospel? Do I really believe that, and do I really have a mission? Do I really want to see people experience Jesus and the, and the riches and the blessing, right? The, the men, they're like, man, I want my family members to get some of this, this food. I want my family members to get some of this gold and, and all of this, these clothes. And my family is struggling, and, and I really want them to get it. I can't just keep it for myself. Please, please hear me today. Hear my heart today. This isn't, this isn't about shaming you into telling people about Jesus. 
It, it, it almost sounded like these four leopards. It almost seems like their motivation comes more from a place of shame than them really wanting to share the riches, right? Like, this is wrong. Do, do we really have a concern for people? This isn't about shame. This is about igniting a passion in you to, to help you see, to help you understand the power that you have inside of you. It's, it's stoking the fire. It's stoking the passion inside of you. The Apostle Paul was, was a Christ follower. He was uh, a, a great, great, great uh, pastor and, and started churches. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, I want you to see what Paul says. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you. For some of you in here, you, you, you've, maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a long time. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You've been, you've been going to church for a long time. And Paul says, I, I, I remind you, rekindle the gift of God. The, what he's given you, those riches, those blessings. Don't lose sight of how big of a deal that is. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or the prisoner, or me, his prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. Listen to me today, church. Witnesses share what they see regardless of the outcome. Witnesses share what they see regardless of the outcome. Paul says, rekindle that flame. Remember those moments when, when Jesus came and did that in you. Rekindle that. Get that fire stoked and go and tell people in your city. The lepers. These men, think about it. They were, they were dis dismissed from their own city. They were dissed by their own people. They couldn't even come in the house. They had to stay outside of the gate. They, they, they have uh, no reason being inside. But here's these men. And they say, man, this isn't right. We can't keep this to ourselves. Christians, we have a duty to share the gospel, even if it means we have to suffer for it. See how quiet it is? <laughs> Not a lot of amens in this sermon. <laughs> You see, comfortable Christianity, comfortable church is, oh, we come to church, we hear a good message, we sing a couple good songs, and then we go home feeling good about ourselves. All is good. See you next week. But we have a, we have a duty to share the gospel, even if it means we have to suffer for it. Paul was, Paul was this guy who, who was, uh, many believe he was the greatest evangelist of our time, of, of all time in the Bible, right? And, and, and Paul, what he did is he started preaching in the synagogues, right? He went to the temples, he went to their churches and he would preach there. But Paul quickly realized that the gospel had to get out of the temple and the gospel needed to be in the streets. The gospel needed to be where the people who needed it most, they were the ones that needed it. They needed to hear the gospel, and I want to hear, I want you to hear this today. The gospel that we have, that, that we teach every Sunday right here in this, in this, uh, uh cafeteria <laughs> right now, this is the, this is the time. This is the time that the gospel needs to go into the streets. It doesn't need to stay in these four walls. This is the time, but not just is this the time, but, and, and, and here's my encouragement to you. We're the ones that have to take it. If you are a follower of Christ, if you claim to be on the team and you're wearing the jersey, you're the one. It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just the church folks job. It's not just the, the volunteer, those people who volunteer church, you know, like they're the ones that can do all that. No, 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 no. It is all of our jobs to get the gospel to the streets.
You know, most of Paul's ministry took place in Athens. And Athens is very, very uh, similar to where we are today, cultural-wise. Um, there, was, there was a lot of philosophers that, that wrote a lot about uh, the, the history of um, Athens. Many say there were over 30,000 public statues in Athens. These, these gods, these false gods that they were, they were idol-worshipping, these, these gods and goddesses. Uh, uh, one, one historian said it was easier to find a god than a man in Athens. That's the, that's the culture that they had. And, and in many ways, we live in that culture today. Most of you would agree that, that, that there's people, there's gods and goddesses, these small g gods and goddesses that we put up on pedestals. There's things that we idolize, right? There's things that we're like, man, this is, this is the greatest and I'll do everything for this, right? And I, I want to show you a few of them today. I want to show you that, that we may not have a god and goddesses on every corner and, and statues, but there's no so- shortage of, of people that, that we, our culture and our communities worship today. Look through a couple of these pictures. People worship these people. They worship them. They, these, man, I want to be like this guy. And I believe everything he says. And I believe everything that she says. And, and I want to be famous like them. And I want to have money like them. And I want to do this. And this means so much to me. And we put these idols and these gods and these goddesses above God. And listen to me, I'm not dogging these people. I'm trying to help us just see and understand that, that, that our culture, we, we, the, these, they have this unspoken mission to get you to follow them, right? They want you to buy in. They want you to believe in. They want you to become just like them and think just like them. And maybe it's, maybe it's pursuit of money and fame. Maybe it's power or prestige. Maybe it's good things like, like justice and peace and, and a cleaner world, right? But in many, many ways, it's this, it's this pursuit of the wrong things. It's this pursuit of things that are only going to leave you wanting more. But I want you to see this. In many ways, our, our American culture and Christianity, it hasn't just it hasn't just collided. In many, many ways, American culture has taken over Christianity. In many ways, uh, uh, Christianity just looks a lot like the American culture. There's a bunch of rules. There's a bunch of man-made rules. There's a bunch of things you, you can and can't say, right? If you say this, you get in trouble. You say that. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Our world is lost. And listen to me today. We, uh, as followers of Christ, God is not calling you to uphold the American culture. He is calling you to uphold the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a huge difference. He's not calling us to live like the world. Our world is lost. We need better strategies to witness to people, right? Just a few weekends ago, my family and I, we got to go on vacation and we had a, a, a 12 hour layover in Miami. And who does that? Why do you have a 12 hour layover? Anyways, so we rented a car and my girls had never been to Miami. So we drove down to South Beach and, and, and I don't want to get into all this, but it was, uh, it was a, um, it was a gay pride parade that day. And uh, my 10 year old daughter saw some things that I didn't want her to see for a long time, but she saw some things and we're driving and we were like, Oh gosh, we're, we don't fit in here. We're not going, we, we got to find somewhere else to go and look at Miami. 
and we were driving and I had my car window open and in the middle of all the chaos, there is a lady standing there with a megaphone on a box yelling at these people that they're dying and going to hell. Screaming at them, you shouldn't be here. Being gay is an abomination to the land. She's screaming and my girls are like, dad, what is she talking about? And we had this conversation of like, you know what? Maybe her motives were right, but I don't know if her approach to telling these people about Jesus was the the best way to do this, right? And listen to me today, church. What what we're doing, what what so many churches are doing, we're we're, we're trying to separate. And and, and I just want to say this, the the gay and trans movement that we're seeing, they're not your enemy. Listen, the the opposing political party of what you believe in, they're not your enemy, okay? That's not what God's calling you to stand on. He's calling you to stand on the gospel. We need more adults to stand up and, and pour into the next generation. Why? We're losing the next generation. You see it every single day. We need better strategies to reach our kids and our students. We need more people who are on the team to love and share Jesus. We're missing this generation. The enemy is, is not all those that oppose you. The enemy is, is the, the greatest deceiver of all times. The enemy is the devil who wants to destroy you, who wants to distract you, who wants to take everything away from you and, and make you say, you know what, I don't even want to share my faith anymore. Paul has a great message for his listeners during this time when, when they're the ones that are, that are uh, uh, um, looking up to these gods and goddesses. They're the ones that in, in, in many ways, just like our culture today, the, 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 the beliefs that our culture worship today. Look what he says in Acts 17. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, he's the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. He's, he's placing God way up here and he says, you know what? God made all of this. He's not served by human hands as though he ever needed anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth, has determined their appointed times and boundaries of where they live. Like this is a powerful guy is what is what Paul's saying. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Here's what Paul's saying and here's what he believed, that the gospel offers everything to everyone no matter what you're looking for. The gospel, the, the, the peace that you so desperately need, the anxiety from, from what's going on in your life, the, the health issues, the struggle, the violence, the war, the, what we inflict on ourselves, right? We look at our world and how, how negative it is and how much struggle. Can I just tell you today, I hope this is not like earth shattering for you. Politics can't fix that. Politics isn't going to fix that. The gospel is the only thing that has the power. And that's what Paul's trying to say. He's like, listen, let me show you how big and powerful God really is. All these kids that are struggling with their identity and trying to find out what they're worth and, and, and who they are. Sexuality and gender cannot fix that. Purpose for why you're here on this earth. It's a question that we all have to answer, right? Many of you probably have, have struggled with that question. God, why am I here? What is the purpose? Why have you made me go through the things that I've walked through? 
Money and status and stuff can't fix that, right? It can't fix your identity problem. So the question comes back to, do I believe the gospel is powerful enough to help people with these issues of life? Do I believe that the gospel has the power to change our world? The struggle, the hate, the frustration when I, when I watch the news, do I believe that the gospel has a power to change that? Maybe today you've realized, man, thanks a lot, Bobby. I've realized that I'm ghosting the world around me. I've realized that I don't, I don't, I'm not like the leopards. I got all this stuff, and we just kind of keep it over here to us. Even the leopards, the guys that were cast out, they said, we can't do this. We got to go tell. If you realize today that you are ghosts in the world, and you're ready to do something about it, I want to give you two ways, and I want to say it like this. I want to give you two ways how to move from silence to sharing. How do I move from silence? I've been a silent follower of Christ. I've been a silent Christian. How do I move from silence to sharing my faith? Number one is this, two things. Number one, accept God's calling to be a witness every day. You got to accept the calling. You got to realize that that's what God's called you to do. If you're a follower of Christ, So in your prayer time, in your devotional time, in your quiet time with the Lord, whenever that it is, agree with God. Accept your calling to be a witness to everyone that you come across that day. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, say, God, here I am. I accept your calling. Put people in my life. Put people in my path that I can point them to Jesus. Have a mission in your mind. Walk out of here today with a missional mindset. I'm going to see people experience Jesus. He's given me me grace he's given me mercy he's given me uh, he's given me a thousand chances I keep messing up and guess what I'm going to go tell people and I know it's my job accept God's calling to be a witness Paul says again in um, many of his letters and a lot of his letters are to Christians a lot of them are two churches and, and he writes one of the the letters to uh, a church in Rome in in Romans chapter one listen to what he says He says, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to wise and foolish. He's saying, listen, my calling from God, I'm obligated to talk to people just like me, and I'm obligated to tell people about the gospel who are nothing like me. I'm obligated to people who are weak to talk to them, the people who are strong, the people that are wise, that I love and that help me, the people that are foolish, and I would like, what are you doing? He says, I'm obligated. That word obligated in Greek, it's a really hard word to say, all right? But it's best translated as debtor. I'm in debt to Greeks and non-Greeks. I'm in debt to wise and to foolish. I'm obligated to tell these people about God. How do I move from silence to sharing? Accept God's calling to be a witness. Number two, accept God's power to be a witness every day. In your prayer time, in your devotional time, your quiet time with the Lord, ask God for a fresh feeling of of his Holy Spirit, that that he would fill you up and that your life would be, especially for those of you who, you know, your first thought is, man, what what if I mess this up? I don't even really believe in my own words. Can I even do it? Can Can I really share my faith? Ask God for a fresh feeling of his Holy Spirit. 
One author says it like this, the power of evangelism, it's not in my ability, it's in the gospel. It's not in your ability to, in your knowledge of, you gotta memorize every verse. But Paul says in that same letter to the Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. You see, sharing the gospel, it's not about you. The gospel is powerful. The gospel is God's word that has, that has transcended time, that we're still here today in 2023, still talking about it. Do you believe in the power of the gospel? You want to move from silence to sharing. God's urging you. God's challenging you. God's encouraging you. Some of you right now, you've got family members that need the power of the gospel in their life. Some of you got coworkers. You've got, you've got classmates. You've got teammates that you know, man, they are far from God. They need Jesus. Accept his calling and accept his power. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come on back up and we're going to close for today. But here's this story about Paul, and, and Paul, man, he's charging the church, right? He's, he's getting in their face, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. And, and if you want to know, right, like, like, was Paul really successful? When, when Paul went to Athens, and, and uh, when it was a place a lot like America, and, 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 and people were, were crazy, was Paul successful? I think it depends on how you measure success. Luke describes the outcome like this. I want you to see this as we close today. Acts chapter 17, verse 32 says this. When they heard about the resurrection from the dead, listen to this, some began to ridicule him. Come on, man. That's a bunch of crap. Come on, man. I'm not listening to that. So what the Bible says that as Paul, the greatest evangelist of all time, the guy that, that we're striving to, to, to be an example like he was, people begin to ridicule him. But others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. He piqued their curiosity. Hey, let's, let's talk about this a little more. What do you really, what, you know, tell me about this. Some ridiculed him. Some, it piqued their curiosity. Verse 33, so Paul left their presence. Listen to this. However, some people joined him and believed. Some people joined him and believed. What does that mean for me and you? There's going to be people that turn down the gospel. It's going to happen. There's going to be people in your life that are curious and they're waiting for someone to have this conversation and they're going to say, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Show, you know what, I see, I see your family's a little different. What, why do y'all do that? And they're going to they're gonna be curious about what's going on inside of you. And then there's going to be some people that join in and believe. Out of the hundreds and hundreds of people that were listening to Paul, some sneered, some were curious, some believed. And I want you to think about this. This is what I love about Paul. On that day, standing in a place that he didn't belong to. He's standing in a place where he was surrounded on all sides. Kind of just like Samaria at the beginning of the story we talked about. And Paul's standing here and he's teaching. He's teaching about this God that people hadn't even heard about. And he's surrounded on all sides. What would make someone 
What would make someone go into a place that they don't know, they don't know anybody, they're surrounded on all sides, what, what would make someone go do that? Here's why I believe that Paul was able to do that. Because he believed. He believed in the power of the gospel. Not in his own words, not in his abilities. He believed in the saving, rescuing, resurrecting power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how about you today? Do you still believe in the power of the gospel? Some of you received God's blessing in his riches years ago. Do you still believe in it? Better yet, not just do you believe in it, but are you ready to walk out of this door and live like it every day going forward? My prayer is that City Hope Church would make a commitment to the Lord that we will stop ghosting the world around us. We'll share the greatest story ever told. That we would be a people that, that, listen, we know that there's people out there in search of peace, in search of identity, in search of purpose. They're striving for worth. And just like Paul, all those years ago in Athens, I believe that there's a God who made the world and everything in it. And he alone is the Lord of heaven and of earth. Now, God leaves it up to each one of us to decide if we're going to accept this power or not. That's how much he loves us. It's your choice whether or not you're going to follow his ways, whether or not you're going to fall in line with, with his commands. God leaves it up to us to decide if we're going to follow. And I believe that God loves you and he wants every single one of his children to start a new life and a new way of living. But before you do that, you got to understand that there's something in between you and God, and that's called sin. There's sin that came into this world through Adam and Eve, and it is in our heart, it is in our DNA. There's nothing you can do about it. It's, 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 who, it's a part of you. But that stands between you and God. But the good news is, here's the good news, that you and I need to go into this world and share. The good news is that if you confess those sins and you leave them behind, you repent, God promises that he'll do the same for you. So today, maybe there's somebody here and you're like, Bobby, I don't, I don't share my faith. I'm not a witness. I am ghosts in the world because I don't have it. I don't have a relationship with Christ. I can't give something I don't have. How do I go tell people about this? Because I'm not even sure that I have it. Well, I want to make sure that you totally understand how can you know and accept Christ into your life. Number one is you got to admit that you're, you have a need. You got to admit that you're a sinner. You got to humble yourselves and say, you know what? I have a need for a savior. I can't figure this out. I can't do it on my own. You got to admit that you're a sinner. Number two, you got to be willing to turn and repent. That word repent is a church word. That simply means I'm walking this way and I repent and now I'm going back this way. For so many people, that that's the decision we have to make. The sin path that we're on, we got to say, God, I'm sorry. And I got to start going the other way. I got to admit my need. I got to be willing to turn from my sin. Number three, I got to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. Not only did he die on the cross, but he rose from the grave. He's a powerful God. He's not, listen, if he didn't raise from the grave, he's just another God. But because of his power, he went to that cross and he rose. You got to believe that. And then number four, through prayer, invite Jesus to take control of your life through the Holy Spirit. Receive him as the Lord and Savior. So before we go today, I want to give you the chance to take your next step with God. This is between you and him. This has 
nothing to do with City Hope Church or Bobby as a pastor. This is the decision between you and the Lord. And here's what I want to encourage you to do today. As a matter of fact, I want to just do this right now. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to just close just a, just, a, just a little bit different today. If you're here today, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you say, Bobby, I know that I have a relationship with Christ. I've accepted the gospel. Jesus is my Lord. doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I know without any doubt that I'm a part of the family of God. Would you just raise your hand right now? I know without any doubt at all that I am a part of the family of God. Thank you for your honesty. Your hands, put those right back down. There's some of you here today, you couldn't raise your hand because the reality is you don't know. And I'm up here talking about ghosts in the world and telling the world about God's power, but that's not something you've experienced yet. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you know about it, but you've never made the decision to make him Lord over your life. You know about God and Jesus, but he's not your Lord. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. What that simply means is, You get to the feet of Jesus. You admit your fault. You admit you're a sinner. You beg God to come and be the Lord of your life. You confess that with your mouth. You believe that in your heart. Then that relationship can start. So today, before we leave, if you're ready, I'm going to pray right now. If you don't know Christ and you're ready to begin that relationship with him today, would you just pray with me? In the quietness of your heart. You don't say it out loud. It's, it's, It's confessing in your heart. It's not some magical prayer, but it's what you truly believe. If you're ready to take that step today and accept the gospel, accept the good news, would you pray with me? Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. Today I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I want to trust you as my savior. And follow you as my Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to me. If you prayed that prayer with me today, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Number one, most important, greatest decision you'll ever make. Here in just a few minutes when we walk out, I'll be standing out here. Just stop by and say, hey, Pastor Bobby, I prayed with you today. I'm not going to make you come up here and give a speech, I promise. I just want to help you on the journey. I want to help you on the journey. But for the rest of us today, as we wrap up this ghosted series, I pray that you would walk out of here today encouraged. I pray that, 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 that this would be a catalyst. This would stoke the fire, stoke the passion into you to realize I got to share my faith. I got to tell people about Jesus. The gospel is too good. This is too good of a news, as the leopard says, to keep to ourselves. Let's go share it with our family and friends. Father, I pray that for these next few minutes, where we would be obedient, give us courage, challenge us, change us. Love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song, and I'm going to invite you to stand right now. You need somebody to talk to. Maybe it's just a time for you to get alone with the Lord before you walk out of here and life hits you. and you got a million things to do. Just take a minute. Take a minute and respond to what you've heard today. If you need to talk to someone, I'll be here. We got some of our team back in the back. God's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your life. He's worthy of you believing in his power.
trusting in his calling. Let's sing out together. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you and have a wonderful day.